Pick it. This is Garage Logic Podcast number 125, March 27, 2019. 81 degrees on this day in 2007 and 10 below in 1996. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. Maybe the world's best groin kicking ever is coming up today. Right between them? Who was the Akimedician that tried to tell us Jingle Bells was racist. That was a pretty good one. This one tops that. Something Green University. Yeah, some, this this will top that. Yesterday we were wondering why O'Hare has as its airport code ORD. Did anyone bother to look it up? No. I thought Rook did. Our listeners do all the work for us. Yeah, let me see if they got the same thing I got. Dave Bittman in Alexandria, Minnesota, who describes himself as one of the guy. <laughs> <laughs> It goes back to the original name of the airport, Orchard Field. The oh. airport was renamed in 1949 in honor, of, in honor of Edward O'Hare, who was the Navy's first ace and a Medal of Honor recipient. Oh, cool. And uh, Tim writes, on Tuesday you mentioned O'Hare's airport designator code ORD. O'Hare Field was built on a site that once was an aircraft factory named Orchard Place and later Orchard Field, hence the code ORD. But the worst airport designator certainly certainly has to be that of the Sioux City Airport SUX, which was derived from the <laughs> which was derived from the first and last two letters of the word Sioux. In nineteen ninety eight and again in two thousand two, Sioux City petitioned the FAA for a new airport designator. After studying the issue, the FAA finally relented. The official name of the airport is the Sioux Gateway Airport, and so the FAA offered them the designator Gay as an abbreviation <laughs> of the word gateway. This offer was summarily rejected by the city fathers. By 2007, the airport board finally abandoned their fight with the FAA and decided to embrace the SUX monitor. Yeah. moniker. Today, if you visit the Sioux Gateway Airport, you will see merchandise like t-shirts and baseball caps that proudly support uh, proudly sport their new slogan, Fly Sucks. <laughs> S-U-X. That's the best way to do it. Fly S-U-X. That's brilliant. Okay. Just got to get some things out of the way before we get to really heartfelt matters. Did you guys read the story about uh, the edge of the group U2? Yep, I did not. Who... Uh, Wants to spend a hundred million developing a compound of homes overlooking the Malibu Pier, up in the up in the undeveloped foothills above Malibu. Okay, and he bought the land and he got approval. Then the Sierra Club sued, and now the whole project stalled. And I only find it uh, somewhat amusing uh, because I'm sure uh, the Edge, David Evans. Uh, is would be in the club when green. it comes to uh, green uh, and environmentalism, and now he's getting windmilled by the Sierra Club, which has halted his project. Well, half of their concerts are spent preaching to the crowds about well about everything t- good. Uh, yeah. And, so and, is he from the 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 group that would trees are bad, 
or trees are to be worshipped. You can go on the Daily Mail and see a very long story about this and the kinds of residences he wants to build there for his family and friends and relatives. He wants to develop a compound. And the first thing that uh, that I thought of is, why in the hell would you build there? You're going to burn down. That's the first thing I thought. Oh, a, a disaster of down. some sort. So it, it's a private development. It's not for. It's not going to be a real estate. Oh uh, no! Listen, he wants to live there. This is for him and, and there, his friends and, 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 he's, and he's being told, you're, "No, you're you're getting sued." We're, what, what ground does the grounds do the Sierra Club? Yeah, have? he owns it. How, how can they possibly step in? The grounds are they have found judges who say this is an environmental disaster. You're spoiling virgin property, some of the last uh, unspoken for land in that part of California, and that. It's a travesty for you to come in here and build homes on what is essentially uh, a park, uh, even though it's not a public park. Uh, and so he's up against everything that that he probably <laughs> has campaigned against his whole life. But I'm more with your second point. Why would you want to risk this? Well, it, forget it, the Sierra. It Club. looks to me like it's just ripe to be go down in the next wildfire. Mm-hmm. It's scrub. Wow. It's scrub the the scrub bushes and but the view. Would be a hundred million dollar view. Worth the roll of the dice. Right. A hundred million dollar view. Okay, I'm just plowing through stuff before I get to Hartfield. How about we move that chair to your other side? Would that help help the the production? That would throw them off. Uh, Mike writes, Joe, I sent you an email yesterday regarding Paul Wellstone, but I had forgotten how much that funeral impacted me until I heard the podcast. As I remember it, I was so mad at the Democrats at that funeral that when I. that I told myself I'm never going to vote Democrat again. Glad you solved that mystery for me. Uh, good luck, Mike. All right. The Edge, by the way, is rumored to be have a net worth of $340 million. Wow. Well, well, you two's done quite well for themselves. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to hold that again. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm just. What's the difference between God and Bono? What is the difference between God and Bono? God doesn't walk around Dublin pretending he's Bono. <laughs> Bang, boom, boom. How, how many members of you two does it take to screw in a light bulb? I don't know. Just one. Bono stands there and the earth revolves around him. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it's fantastic. I didn't know he had this image. Bono? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's noted to be, you know. A little egocentric. A little egocentric. Mm-hmm. He visited W frequently. Yeah. They were they buddies. Were buds? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl writes... Just listen to your podcast in which you discuss the taxpayer citizen who was shamefully disrespected by the Seattle City Council. Very recently, KOMO Channel 4, the Seattle ABC affiliate, produced an hour-long documentary called Seattle is Dying. It is a very in-depth look at the homeless problem in Seattle and how badly it has been managed by the city council and mayor. It was almost painful to watch, but I would urge you and your staff to watch it all the way through. Then ask yourselves, isn't this exactly what the city councils in Minneapolis and St. Paul want also? Well, A, Carl, we've already mentioned this. B, we've watched it. I, Reavers has watched the whole thing. I've watched the whole thing. And uh, we have tried to uh, – Reavers, you take over the conversation. Uh, I sent an email to him that would have been – The reporter who is? Eric Johnson, who did, the, who did the piece. I sent him an email on Monday after I had watched the video and uh, requesting – or seeing if he would like to come on as a guest – he then called me back yesterday afternoon, late late yesterday afternoon when I was when I was driving home, and he has turned down all media requests because this has become so politicized that he and his bosses have said, "Let's just kind of lay low and let let the story speak for itself," because he's been 
uh, Rush, uh, 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 Glenn Beck, Hannity, all those guys have reached out to try to get him on as a guest. And the only reason he called me back is he's heard of Joe and he wanted to be respectful and say, I'm just, I'm declining all requests at this time. What? I don't understand what the station could fear. As much as the city council there is mysterious, what what club do they wield over the news of, over the television station? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And I, and I don't know if if you know. I'm sure that the folks at City Hall and are are upset. But I know the police want this story out there as much as possible. There was two great takeaways, uh, and you can go to. Can't you go find this yourself? If you go to the Garage Logic Facebook page, I put it up there that afternoon, Monday afternoon, and it's. I just look right now. It's. It's got nearly 10,000 views just on our page alone. Well, a couple of things that are interesting. It was really done well. And, you know, I have a lot of fun picking apart reporting as what it used to be. Mm-hmm. This is pretty thorough. Yeah. This guy apparently is a KOMO anchor. He is. And he's an old a, a journalist by trade, but he's now their main uh, evening anchor. And he just wanted to dust off his, his journalistic hat and, and go to work. Well, he did a good job. And there are two takeaways from it. The, the homeless problem is a misnomer. It's a drug addiction problem. It's not, you know, there might be an out of work carpenter out there who's temporarily homeless. That's not who we're talking about. Mm-mm. These are young people who are terribly addicted to drugs, most notably methamphetamines. Right. And the city council, the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings, we saw it here in Minneapolis with right. the tent the city. St. Paul has a tent city. A new one just went up on St. Clair and, and the practice freeway. Right. Yeah. What The closer you get to the country's tallest buildings, the, uh, the elected officials uh, sell the public on the idea that we should be uh, uh, more charitable, that this is a, home, this is a dr- uh, homeless problem, homeless, period, that just by, by virtue of fate— and bad luck, these people are just homeless, and and uh, they're victims. Mm-hmm. No, they're drug addicts. And what you learn in this piece about Seattle is dying, and what I thought really made it a good piece of work is, this guy went in search of an answer. In addition to pointing out the problem, and Seattle's got a horrible problem, like L.A. has a horrible problem, and San Francisco has a whole horrible problem, and to a lesser extent, Minneapolis and St. Paul have oh, a horrible problem. We could go on and on. Dallas, yep. Houston. Yep. Yeah. Closer you get to the country's tallest building. Right. This guy came up with an answer. He went to, was it Rhode Island or Delaware? Rhode Island. He went to Rhode Island where they don't have this problem. Now, admittedly, Rhode Island's a very small state, but they had, uh, on a per capita basis, they had the same problem, only they've dealt with it. And they're, they're encouraging their police to arrest for whatever violations might come up. Assault, uh, selling drugs, drug use, rape. Uh, rape of any, any, they're getting arrested. And they go to a center where they get treated. Mm-hmm. Not the county lockup? No. They go to a, a facility where they serve their uh, sentence for whatever crime they were picked up on, mm-hmm. but they are offered treatment. It's called MAT, Medical Assisted Treatment. Mm-hmm. And these people are offered one of three drugs, methadone or whatever the other two were. And it's having tremendous effect. Mm. Tremendous effect. And this guy in Seattle, he even found a facility in Seattle that's standing empty. Yep. Empty. A great big, was it a former prison or something? I think so. And he said, why aren't we arresting people and putting them in this facility and trying to treat them? Because the way it's being done now we might as well be running a concentration camp and experimentally letting these people die 
because of drug use. And it's affecting the businesses in Seattle where they're just, they need money. So they're going into these shops, robbing them, and they're not being arrested for it. They're not being arrested. But you're seeing this for Mysterians. Uh, the the uh, the attorney in Massachusetts, uh, uh, the county attorney in Massachusetts, oh, yes, and she doesn't want to doesn't want to uh, arrest people right. for even breaking and entering. And no, that's Mysterian thought. They play these people as victims. Who gets hurt? Let's Boy. go back to our guy uh, uh, in uh, uh, Greensboro, uh, Mark, Robinson. Mark Robinson. Who gets hurt? Me, me. The majority. The majority. Boy, it's one thing to not arrest for smoking a joint, you know, on the street, but B and E, come on, that's a crime. Oh yeah, that's a violent. Yeah. In this piece, Kenny, you learn that police are told to not arrest anyone that's possessing, Joe, correct me, less than three ounces of methamphetamine. Oh my God, do you have any idea how much meth that is? That's about a hundred hits, isn't it? That's a big fat bag of crank. Right. They're saying anything less than that, don't even arrest them. Oh my word. So these poor people who are... I wonder what that's worth. This isn't a homeless problem. No. This is a drug addiction problem. And in the piece too, you see the story, and I forget the guy's name, a man was arrested for for dealing drugs. I think it was methamphetamine. Was released the next day, either the next day or the day after. He uh, he he burglarized and raped a woman in an assisted living facility. Right. And it was asked, well, why why wasn't he locked up? Mm-hmm. Well, he only had he had less than three ounces on him. That's why he was let go. Well, and it's very dispiriting to the police. It is, and th- there was a bunch of uh, anonymous quotes because the police simply wouldn't talk on camera. And and then in the piece, Eric Johnson says, well, people were asking, why didn't you post any of the positive comments from police? Because there wasn't any. There weren't any. Mm-hmm. That's how big of a problem Seattle is in. They're, they have a database for which every person has been arrested multiple times, and they got... They, 60 and 70 times, and they're back out on the street. Wow. And there's one guy that they actually... Remember the homeless guy that was in the trash can? Yep. And he was almost honored by the fact that he was leading. Oh, I'm, I'm in first place? Right. Wow. And they call it free addle mm-hmm. because everything, they, don't, they get away with everything. It's just free. Well, in any event, uh, he will not come on. I guess he's not going to do an appearance with anybody. He's not doing any appearances. But I recommend the GLers. Might, it's about an hour, a little longer than an hour. But it's but worth it. I think it's well worth your time because it'll straighten you out on the fact that we've been sold a bill of goods. That Oh, look at these poor homeless people. B.S. They're poor drug addicts who need help. They need help. Help. You know who needs to watch that video is Jacob Fry and Melvin Carter. Absolutely. That's who needs to watch that video. In uh, 2005, a a 16th of an ounce was anywhere from $120 to $500, depending on the quality. Wow. What year? 16th. That's in 2005. Wow. And you're saying... you can hold three ounces. Well, and I'm not. I'm not sure about that ounce, ounce figure, but I think it is three. But there was a number that if they fell below that number, that's a felony amount. Mm-hmm. But that's the problem that they have right now in Seattle. Bob Roeder in Black Canyon City, Arizona writes, Joe, you've mentioned several times on the show that you plan seeing the upcoming film Stan and Ollie. I've been a big fan of Laurel and Hardy since I was a youngster, watching the old films on television every time I could find them. I later had the pleasure of being part of the studio crew taping the segments for John Gallo's Laurel and Hardy show at Channel 4. Hell yeah. You may have known him. He was able to quote lines from those old two-reelers like no one else, but I digress. My wife and I watched the DVD on Tuesday night, and it was beautifully done. If you haven't seen it yet, I'd urge you to take a look. 
The makeup and mannerisms of the lead actors was flawless. Well, well Ollie is John C. Riley and Stan is uh, Steve Coogan. There was an extra feature on the DVD describing the application of the prosthetics used to portray Babe Hardy. The actor playing the part of Babe, John C. Riley, had multiple fat suits and had to have a new prosthetic head for each day of shooting since it was destroyed during the removal process after filming Rap for the Day. He said the only parts of him that were actually visible were around his eyes and the palms of his hands. Everything else was covered in foam. I was not... Familiar with the two actors in the film, John C. Riley and Steve Coogan, but the transformation into Stan and Ollie was amazing. It's a great movie. Love the podcast and look forward to each new episode. I saw it last night. Did you like it? Oh, lovely. Just Thank lovely. God you finally saw something that you didn't say. This was predictable, and no, I, uh, it was I just, think it just played every It was card. just lovely. And this guy answered a question for me. Hmm. I was wondering how they got John C. Riley's neck to be so fat. So f- well, it was all makeup. And besides, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Jack who? <laughs> was, it, remember how- was it like a Stan and Ollie short, or was it like behind the scenes with the real actors? It picks him up in 1937 on the set of Way Out West. Okay, so it's about the filming of and the making of. The no, like a no, mockumentary no, kind no, of? No, no. It picks him up, it opens, Stan and Ollie are backstage talking. About uh, uh, Ollie rented a boat for the weekend to go to Catalina, and Clark Gable is going to be on it, and Greta Garbo, and blah blah blah. And they were they were bemoaning what they owe their ex wives in alimony. And <laughs> then they're called to the set, and the the set there happened to be working on his way out west. Remember the great scene in front of the saloon where they started to dance? Oh, that <laughs> yes. was wonderful. Okay, yeah. and there's a big tracking shot showing how that was filmed, and then it cuts to 1953. Ooh. They're done. Their has-beens, and they're in Europe on a tour, and that's the story. The story hmm. is the final year of their touring together. Oh, it sounds is depressing. It yeah. Oh, I welled up a few times. Wow. It's just, it's just, it's really, no, really good. No, 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 no. And what you learn is Stan did all the writing. Really incredible. Mm-hmm. And they never, they didn't get any residuals. They didn't. They didn't ever. They never got a piece of the action. What? Yeah, like, were, the, like the Stooges viewed all over the world, and they never were. They were never wealthy. Wow. Wasn't it you that saw Mo Howard in an airport? Somewhere? Yeah, in Milwaukee in 1965, and he just it, looked incredible. They looked beat up. Yeah, but I recommended Stan and Ollie. It was just fantastic. Okay, for my wife, who's not a Laurel and Hardy or Stooges fan. It's touching enough where um, can you can you just go see a movie by yourself? You don't do you, have to. I did it at home. Do you have you just to go to Netflix? You and have set to into the drag the Stan entire relations, <laughs> your your in laws and everybody over. Can you just go see a movie by yourself? You can do uh, it at no, home. Can't do it. You can do it at home with my wife. <laughs> I don't care who you watch it with. Simple answer: No. Yeah, the no. answer is no. I've got to be. Right. And, and and to answer your initial mocking, uh, yeah, I, I saw some things that were very predictable, but I I enjoyed it. And much many little bits throughout the film reprise movies they made. They're hauling a steamer trunk up the steps of a railway station in Europe, and it (laughs) falls back down. And uh, that sounds hilarious. The two wives, the two wives are seen going into a theater to watch the show, and it's reminiscent of the two wives going into the theater to watch the movie during Sons of the Desert when they see Stan and Ollie on screen right. waving in yep. Chicago. Yep. There's there's many of those little little ticks all throughout it. But at, you, at the core of it, 
What is it that attracts you so much about those two characters? He was a fan. Because you've been a fan forever. Because the Stooges were way better. I don't know. Not even. You know, don't throw a grenade in the conversation. Let me tell you before the show starts. You're the the guy that throws a punch at the bar and then walks out. That uh, that original dance scene from Way Out West is one of the most charming pieces of film ever. Mm -hmm. Ever. In any movie. Tell me about the part where, uh, who was it, Ollie can't, uh, his knees are bad or he can't do it? He's got the bad knee and then he's got the heart goes out on him. And then... uh, uh, will you ask why why those two? Yeah. I, I've watched them since I birth. I mean, I just Brought grew up with memories. them. Yeah. Right. They're just fantastic. So it's a nostalgia thing more than anything else. Some great, really great lines. Yeah. Not you, enough violence You for me. loved Laurel and Hardy, Ollie tells Stan, but you never loved me. Oh, wow. You know what that else? Was wonderful. When was we wonderful. grew up, because I'm I'm a, l- a little younger than you, but uh, that was on television. We only had a few channels to watch, so we would watch Laurel and Hardy oh, when course. it was on because it was great comedy. Comedy hour so, locally with John Gallus. Yeah, our yeah. generation definitely. Yeah. Uh, or sometimes you'd see. Didn't bedtime news with Dave Moore? Uh, you guys are way too young. Uh, you, you could get them late on a Saturday night. Yeah, or, exactly. Or whatever, yep. and, uh, just you know, fantastic. My dad. Really laughed hard at those guys. Oh, so did I mine. Mean, really so did hard. mine. Maybe that's why I liked it so much. We watched a lot of that stuff together. Right, so. right. I agree. That's my problem. I watched Lawrence Welk. Yeah. Ooh. In a room full of cigarette smoke. Thank you, you boys. Uh, and one of those couches that had sequins in it. You better not start smoking as a you know, when you grow up. Well, smoking. <laughs> right. Say one size rarely fits all. That's why I want you to get in touch with Federated Insurance. Federated offers property and casualty, life and disability income insurance to businesses in select industries. Their marketing representatives get to know you, the owner, and how you operate your business, and that allows them to customize the coverage you need. Driving, they'll take care of driving. They have auto liability, of course. Worried about a cyber attack? Well, read the headlines. You might need data compromise coverage. Your business is unique. You need an insurance carrier who treats it that way, especially when you're going to be dealing with marketing representatives who really enjoy working for Federated, Minnesota's own Owatonna, Minnesota. Get in touch with a Federated Insurance Marketing Rep today to see how their second-to-none service can help your business thrive. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. Latte Schmate. Here's Joe Suchere. Best groin kicking ever, perhaps? we got some pretty good ones that are competing with this, whatever you're going to oh, I'm sorry, us. best power washing ever that will result in a groin kick? Okay. I, I'm taking this one to heart because I'm very familiar with the topic. A professor at Gonzaga University in Spokane, Washington, plans to host an event challenging students to analyze if Disney's Moana is actually about rape and not a strong young woman who saves her island from a curse. Philosophy professor Danielle Lane has scheduled the event at the Catholic College on Thursday to discuss whether the film is about sexual assault. The event is jointly sponsored by the university's Women and Gender Studies and Native American Studies Departments. 
Lane is set to argue that the Western patriarchy and masculinity at large attack the feminine through the environment and cultural differences. The event will include a screening of the 2016 movie with a question and answer session to follow. A newsletter newsletter obtained by Campus Reform says Lane will advance a controversial thesis wherein she suggests the film is an extended rape metaphor. Lane will ultimately also suggest that the film is neo-colonialist. It advances a new myth that scapegoats Maui, excusing Western culture for oppressing women, degrading the environment and erasing and murdering indigenous people. I, I haven't seen any of that. In a statement, Lane said it's part of a monthly retrospective analyzing a variety of films. This particular philosophy is a bit of research, as I am recently, uh, I am currently writing uh, a paper, and I'm I'm excited to see how many people agree with me or disagree. I, I disagree with you, lady. You dummy. <laughs> One person not on board is Gonzaga College Republicans President Olivia Johnson. Why do we have to ruin a cute children's movie that was obviously not made with the greater metaphor of rape, Johnson told the outlet in a statement of her own. It seems as if this lecture is trying to find a yet, a yet another way to blame the problems of the world on Western civilization and patriarchy. A groin kick, this uh, Danielle Lane. That deserves this. <laughs> I damn near have this thing memorized. Are, no. I'm in the company often of a seven year, a six year old, and a two year old. They, like they got watch. the Moana dolls. They got the stuff. They know the songs. They it's on speed dial to get it up to calm them down. There's Moana. Shut there up. It is. You got her. Are metaphors supposed to be so subtle that you have to conduct a study to figure out if it's a metaphor? This gets back to the heart of why the Academy is failed. The Academy has adopted as its template, as its dynamic, the day-to-day effort to continue to identify new victimized groups Mm -hmm. to the point where this not even useful idiot takes a film like Moana, which little kids love, little girls in particular, and and has power-washed it, has power-washed it. It, it it did not occur to me that this was a metaphor for anything. It was just a delightful adventure by Moana to help save her island and the goofy character she hangs around with. Why does someone have to find a deeper meaning because in... I just I just told you. <laughs> it's the Academy is failed. Failed miserably. <laughs> Ooh, there's another one. Ooh. So this gets entered into the groin kicker file for the groinies at the uh, end of the the year. year. Groiny. What's today? 327. Where did you say she was from? Gonzaga. 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 Mm -hmm. Her areas of expertise are within the domain of ancient philosophy. Sure. Particularly Plato and later Platonic tradition, e.g. Proclus. And you were correct, by the way, Mr. Mayor. Uh, You said that the, the, is it Hank Johnson? The guy that said Guam would flip over because yep. we had too many people. That was 2011. Yeah, so that's, you, that precedes groinies. It does precede the groinies. Yeah. <laughs> the groinies started in July of 2017. I just looked it up. All right. That's Here's this. another example of the failed academy of a completely different nature, and this is from Duke University. Okay. The famed, still, the famed Duke. Still alive in Sweet 16. Duke University <laughs> will pay $112 million to settle a whistleblower lawsuit after federal prosecutors said a, said. A research technician's fake data 
landed millions of dollars in federal grants, the school and the government said earlier this week. The uh, school in Durham submitted claims for dozens of research grants that contained falsified or fabricated information that unjustly drained taxpayer money from the National Institutes of Health, the Environmental Protection Agency, and other federal agencies, the U.S. Justice Department said. The school said it is repaying grant money and related penalties. Taxpayers expect and deserve that federal grant dollars will be used efficiently and honestly. Local U.S. Attorney Matthew G.T. Martin said, may this serve as a lesson that the use of false or fabricated data in grant applications or reports is completely unacceptable. The lawsuit was first filed in 2015 by whistleblower and former Duke employee Joseph Thomas. The Justice Department then took over. The suit claims the faked research was conducted by former research technician Aaron Potts-Kent from Diversityville, who was supervised by pulmonary medicine researcher William Michael Foster. Foster's lab experimented with mice, seeking to determine the effects of inhaling diesel exhaust, among other tests. Several research papers by Foster's team were later retracted. In other words, I don't know where they are. Were they pro-diesel fumes or against diesel fumes? I have no idea. The government alleges that between 2006 and 2018, Duke knowingly submitted fake data to federal agencies in 30 grants. The university had warning signs that some of the research was fraudulent, but did not act until discovering in 2013 that Potts-Cant had siphoned off money for spending on clothes and other items. Duke said the technician pleaded guilty to two counts of forgery in state court and paid the school restitution. Foster retired in 2015. Okay. Uh, Thomas, the whistleblower, will get $33.75 million from the settlement. Woo! Duke is still dealing with a different research scandal dating back more than a decade. Duke medical professor Dr. Anil Potty engaged in misconduct while researching treatments in human cancer patients U.S. Health and Human Services Department investigators said in 2015, Potts' studies were published in top medical journals. In a settlement reached, Potty did not acknowledge the uh, liability, but agreed to have all research supervised until 2020. Uh, that really makes you wonder about what gets submitted for grant money regarding climate change. <laughs> no kidding. That's a lot of cash. It's not going to hurt Duke, though. Their endowment is $8.5 billion. And they're also the primary beneficiary of the independent $3.69 billion Duke Endowment. Well, it makes you wonder, were they sending in data that said the diesel exhaust killed the mice? And it didn't kill the mice, or I don't. That the reporting is what it used to be. It's an Associated Press story out of Raleigh, North Carolina, and I don't know what they faked, but they must have faked it to a degree where the Justice Department could not ignore it. Right, thirty-three million for the whistleblower. Yeah, yeah. Dang, I wonder if Brown Institute has any kind of scams <laughs> that I could go back. Sorry, that microphone. He really didn't sound good in his audition. <laughs> and did. one uh, final blast from the failed academy, Amherst. A Massachusetts college is backpedaling after facing accusations of trying to stifle free speech with a common language guide that criticizes capitalism and provides definitions to students on terms ranging from toxic masculinity to the white savior complex. They're making up 
stuff. I, they're making <laughs> up stuff I've never even heard of. Toxic masculinity. Well, I've heard of toxic masculinity. I've never heard of the white well, savior complex. Is that guys like me that own six chainsaws? Right. right. <laughs> That's the over the top complex. We're so manly, we're toxic. The 40-page glossary <laughs> issued to students at Amherst, which champions itself as a private liberal arts institution committed to inclusivity and ensuring that all students feel they belong, which is B as in B, S as in S, was yanked off its website last week following an apparent deluge of angry emails uh, sent to the school's president and outcry from its college Republican club. It's always the college Republicans who have to introduce a note of common sense here. <laughs> Never hear isn't it? anything about the lefties. It wasn't the college's place to tell us what these things meant. Brantley Myers, a senior member of the club, told the Boston Herald, "A culture has been bred on campus that dismisses conservative viewpoints and dismisses conservative students." The document posted online uh, by College Fix defines the following terms. They couldn't use capitalism because that's an economic and political system uh, in which. Uh, Trade and industry are controlled by private owners for profit rather than by the state. So they're Marxist in that intention. Toxic masculinity is defined as violence, sexual acts, status, aggression, and the oppression of others. Reverse oppression. There's no such thing as reverse oppression. Oppression is predicated upon him. Uh, legal and illegal. You can't use those words. White savior complex. You can't say that, whatever the hell that is. Uh, Amherst President Biddy, B-I-D-D-Y, Biddy Martin said in a statement posted on the website that our resource center staff worked to create a guide that would help members of the community understand the experiences and perspectives of students from underrepresented and underappreciated groups. There's, there, there's why the academies failed. That's all they do. That's all they do is continue to expand and identify what they say are underrepresented and underappreciated groups. That's it. Forget getting a math degree. You're going to learn who's underappreciated. Which isn't going to help you when you start working at 3M. But see, there's been pushback. There's been pushback. Mm -hmm. I got a great case of pushback coming up. Is it enough? Is it enough? Wait a, wait a minute. What Matt just said has credibility. What? How right. is any of that garbage going to help you earn a living? It's not. It's not. That's why... It's a hindrance to you. That's why this college entrance scam is so amusing to me. It's not worth it, people. It's not worth it to spend a million to get your kid into the failed academy. No. Unless that kid has a specific discipline in mind that requires a specific course of action in a specific institution, you are wasting your money. General courses, a waste of time. Wasting your money. Huh. I was talking to a friend of mine. Who, That's easy for me to say because my wife, wife is independent. Yeah, you're you're, right. you're right. living off a trust yeah. fund. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. he forecasts that the trade industry, a kid's going to trade school instead of the four-year, it's going to skyrocket in the next five to ten years. You like, know what's a thrill in life? Kenny can identify. I'm sure we all can. You know what's a thrill in life? When you meet a tradesman who is not only competent, but is striving to be more competent. That's my kid. You just described my kid. He's got two months left in trade school. He's going to be, by June, he's going to be making an S-ton of money <laughs> doing something he absolutely loves. I use and a- he's going to further that education with more trade school mm-hmm. crap, and he's going to go even further on up the yeah. ladder and make more money and have more fun. I use a plumbing outfit. Okay. They don't advertise, so I'm not going to give them a plug. But I love these guys. They're not only great, 
They like being great at it. Yeah. Yes. Right there. There's no bad gig. There's no bad gig. It's how good you make it. They like figuring out problems, fixing it, and making people happy. Mm -hmm. And they're good at it. And there's no reason for them to lie or there's no shenanigans. There's no nothing because they're good at it and they're in demand and they know it. And they're going to make more money than any of these spoiled brats that go to Amherst and graduate with a gender studies degree. And all of those people you just mentioned look down their nose at the blue-collar workers of yeah. America, the trade school people, not realize. I've got a buddy across the alley that's been doing uh, body works for the last 20, 30 years. He's making well over a hundred I'll tell you a great story. He's doing really well. I'll tell you a great story. I know a lawn service guy. Yep. Right? I think I know him, too. I've gotten to know him pretty well. And he was telling me a story one day that he was doing a lawn. I think it was on Mississippi River Boulevard. Okay. And the and the owner of the house, the guy, the dad, was apparently in some sort of argument with his son. Okay. Maybe about buckling down or going to school or whatever. Oh, I see this coming. And he pointed to this lawn service guy. <laughs> yes. And yes. he said, do you want to be like him? <laughs> well, listen, lawn yeah. service guy told me, I felt like going over and, and, and maybe showing him a quick version on my phone of my annual bookings. But, <laughs> I wish he would have. But I, I didn't. It was his way of saying, go ahead, keep your jabber up yep. here. I'm, I'm going to have the last laugh. Right. I think this is the same guy that, as he does winter plowing, mm-hmm. uh, there was a very important guy, that uh, a doctor that worked at the hospital. And he said, every time there's a big snowfall, I might need to be called down to the hospital, so you need to do my driveway first each and every time. And he looked at the guy very calmly up from his book, and he said, really? Uh, who turns the boiler on at the hospital every morning? He kind of shut the guy, gave wow. the guy a little humble pie. But. You guys know I do these ads for uh, pro ter- professionalturf.com, right? Yeah, pro yeah great guy. It works, too, by the way. Their employees are so happy because they're treated so well, and they all make good livings. Mm-hmm. And they're all blue-collar. And I know these guys, are other people are driving by in their E-Series or their Audis looking down their nose mm-hmm. at the guy dragging the hose from the truck up on the yard to spray the chemicals, not realizing these guys are the happiest people in town and they're making good yeah. coin. Say it's going to be uh, in the 60s today, bikers. Have you got in touch with uh, DennisKirk.com and there are more than 160,000 products in stock for you and your bike? Free shipping on orders over $89. DennisKirk.com is the best place to get your motorcycle stuff. Here's John Height. But first, Joe, yesterday um, John was talking about this I-35 thing and what a disaster it's going to be for the next three years. They're going to start doing closures this Sunday night and then the real bad stuff. uh, The closures they're doing that start this Sunday are going to be overnight, so they shouldn't affect the commute. But then the bad stuff starts April 8th. But what I wanted to bring up with you is uh, I stumbled on Twitter that Ide Mill Road is trending because they're finally going to pay. Yeah, I saw that today. They're going to put uh, $3.5 million into it. Yep. So I click on the link on Twitter, and the first tweet, the first response from a guy named Jake 
Ruder. He's got two dots over the U. What does that oh, mean? I don't. One know. of those guys. Like he's a. But you're religion. gonna. You'll love this. You'll love this. Such his tweet. There are many reasons to be upset about St. Paul's decision to put 3.5 million into Ide Mill. But what's most striking to me is the message it sends every year around this time. I start biking again, and I'm shocked by the behavior of the people driving around me. Then the second tweet. Bleep you. The second tweet, <laughs> a guy says, so the city listens to drivers' complaints about potholes, but if we complain about people being run over, all we get is crickets. Ide Mill has been a disaster. You need for, a Humvee to go down. For at go. least <laughs> the last 10 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, up. Uh, Apocryphal, an right. awful stretch of road. The city finally gets off his butt to fix the thing, and the bikers come out crying and complaining. Well, plus it, the Euphorians won that one a long time ago. It's never going to be connected to '94 like the original no. plan envisioned. Right. No, it's going to end at Selby or wherever the hell it ends. Well, it's been it, going on since what 1960, since something? the beginning of time. Yeah. <laughs> and from what I can see, just anecdotal evidence, everybody uses that to skip downtown. They hop on it right around Snelling. Uh, what does what what turns into Ide Mill? Anyway, they, uh, they Selby. Yeah, they exit the freeway at Snelling and make their way to Ide Mill because Ide Mill connects to 35E. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's how that's used. Mm-hmm. Here's Johnny Height. Thanks, Joe. Special counsel's grand jury uh, uh, investigating Russian collusion into the 2016 president. I thought we were done with that. Is, quote, continuing robustly. Really? Despite the end of the probe. That, according to a federal prosecutor in court today, David Goodhand, an assistant U.S. attorney, acknowledged the grand jury's active status during a hearing in federal district court over a push to unveil the identity of a foreign-owned company that has been held in contempt for defying a Mueller subpoena. During a brief open hearing, the chief judge, Beryl Howell, pressed Goodhand to say if the grand jury that Mueller uh, Mueller had been using in the case remained active. The prosecutor replied, yes, it's continuing. In fact, it's continuing robustly. Hmm. A first in Minnesota corrections officers wearing body-worn cameras. It's a priority, according to Ramsey County Sheriff Bob Fletcher. Uh, Fletcher said it's going to be groundbreaking to have the body cameras in jail. County Commissioner Trista Matas-Castillo explained why the timeline to buy a system needed to be moved up. She said, I think our video footage from an incident in 2016 indicates why we should have that footage. Well, yeah, because more prison guards have died in the last two years than they have in the last 60 combined. That, that actually isn't her reason, Chris. Oh, okay. Oh, huh. Her reason is uh, a wall-mounted camera in 2016 recorded a Ramsey County deputy punching a suspect, handcuffed to a chair while other deputies stood by during the incident. Huh. That deputy is no longer employed by Ramsey County. The f- sheriff said, Fletcher, he said, it's my intention to have everyone wearing one of the cameras, uh, the uh, cost would be about $3.5 million over three years to buy 400 devices, including hardware and installation. Fletcher was on one of the evening newscasts the other night, and uh, this Seattle is dying is so opened my eyes that I, j- I looked at Fletcher. Fletcher was testifying before a House committee about something, and he said, I'm embarrassed that I didn't understand homelessness the way I understand it today. Hmm. So he's he's fallen for the BS. It's not homelessness. It's drug addiction. Mm-hmm. When you decide to live in a tent at the edge of a freeway, you got a problem that goes beyond homelessness. That is a drug problem, and that person needs help. 
And that was the main problem over at Tent City next right. to Hiawatha last right. year was the drugs. Right. And, and even with the heavy nonstop patrolling, there were still ODs every single yeah. day. It's a drug problem. It's not a homeless problem. You know, Sheriff Fletcher is a garage logician. I know Bob very well. I think and, we should have I'm going to push back and you tell Bob he's full of BS. We should have him on. You should correct him. Yeah, all right. I think, he, I think that might open his eyes. Yeah. Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka says he would be willing to hear proposals to expand criminal background checks and adopt a red flag law if the House passes both bills this year as far as gun control goes. The Nisswa Republican had previously said he would do everything in his power to block any new gun control measures this session. Two Senate bills have yet to be heard ahead of Friday's deadline to move legislation through committees. Democratic Senator Ron Latz of St. Louis Park, who is sponsoring the bills, closed the Senate Judiciary and Public Safety Finance and Policy Committee hearing with a plea for the committee's GOP chairman to schedule hearings. Uh, Senator Warren Limmer, who is the chairman, said, well noted, thank you. He has said previously he would defer to Gazelka on when or whether to hear any gun legislation. John knows it's Niswa. He just mispronounced it say? by accident. So say? don't send angry what, letters what to John. Niswa. Niswa? It's Niswa, and you a know A little it. accent there. Apparently he was just checking you, Kenny. Anyway. <laughs> Education Secretary Betty DeVos, uh, Betsy, excuse me, taking some heat, uh, defending plans to cut funding for the Special Olympics during testimony before a House subcommittee yesterday, saying the department, quote, had to make some heavy decisions. DeVos appeared in front of lawmakers to review the Education Department's proposed budget. According to the budget made public on March 11th, the department plans to eliminate 29 programs for an annual savings of $6.7 billion dollars. Among those programs, Special Olympics, which would see its $17.6 million slashed from funding. When asked by Wisconsin Representative Mark Pocan if she knew how many children would be affected by the cut, Devo said she did not. And Pocan answered, it's 272,000 kids. The proposed budget includes $500 million for opening and expanding public charter schools and their facilities, in line with the department's outlined priority of increasing access to school choice. DeVos was sworn in as Education Secretary in 2017 and has since rolled back a number of policies in favor of charter and magnet schools. I think we should continue to have Special Olympics. Going out on a limb there, huh? I I, uh, was part of it at one time, and it was... Fun way. I remember you telling a story about the skier. They set up hay bales at the bottom of the hill, and the kids would just ski right through She did release a very... What is that noise? I don't know. I'm hearing something in my ears. She did release a very weird statement in the last hour, too. First, the first paragraph blamed the media for reporting falsehoods, mm-hmm. but then she said that they are cutting all the funding. Oh. So I, I'm not sure. I, I, think that I don't noise know where you, we are. I think that noise you were hearing was God attacking the mayor for his recent comment. No, they're fun no, kids. Were, yeah, no, but it was kidding. funny. It was like the, the cartoon where you see the, the profile of the human through the wall. Right, just you like know, this. Boom, and they went right through the hay. Hey, how you right doing? Through the hay. We're all right here. Barbara Bush blaming Donald. Help you up. What is this? Barbara Bush blamed Donald Trump for her heart issues. She, you might remember when she got sick, it wasn't technically a heart attack, although she, she called it that. It was a crisis in her long battle with congestive heart failure and chronic pulmonary disease that hit her one day back in June of 2016. She was taken to the hospital. We reported it when it happened. The two former presidents, uh, her sons, uh, son and husband, excuse me, who had been at home with her, uh, trailed in a car driven by Secret Service. The presidential campaign in general and Trump's ridicule of Jeb Bush apparently had riled Babs angst, she told author Susan Page. 
Afterward, Jeb, whose presidential campaign was already history, urged her to let it go, to focus on herself and have faith in the country. Uh, Jeb Bush said there was just a lot of angst. She was distressed by President Trump's leadership. Rook, will you help me? Yep. Will you help me? I'm not, I'm not quite done yet. I'm trying to, I'm to finish up my stuff here. Come on, help me. Please. Just no, help I think me. It's good. It just was help me. Competition. Jeez. I think Kenny's Kenny, down. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Everybody all right? I oh. love the special Olympics. Okay, let's just move on. Do we need a medic? Call 911. Uh, anyway, uh, oh. Barbara Jeez, said... What is wrong with you, Suchere? I don't know. <laughs> Barbara said she was dismayed by the nation's divisions and by the direction her party had taken. Did she consider herself a Republican? In February 2018, she told the author... I'd probably say no today. Um, I find it very interesting that uh, when the heat got on, you dug yourself a hole. But Barbara did. I remember when uh, Matthew. Remember Bono? Every time he came in to see me, I kept asking for Cher. He never brought Cher. Hey, Bono, I know you're a singer. Where's that uh, little dish you got there? A little bit. A little, uh, little lady. Yeah. Mr. President, wouldn't you say, though, that your mom reacted the way any good mom should? I mean, when she, when a mom hears their kid being derided, they get, yeah. you know, they yeah. step in. They and take he, it to yeah. heart. Yes, they do. Right to the heart. And she, and she did, literally. She did. Literally. And it, uh, it pained her, but you know what? Every time we'd, uh, we'd review certain sporting events, we... Uh, We'd have a little chuckle, maybe be like the Indy 500 or maybe a, a missed golf shot or something like that. Or a skier. I'm still glad you're trying to make money on a president about three presidents ago. How about we count, get, do the current guy? Do the current guy. Let's do the current guy. <laughs> what does that mean? But, Mr. President, if I could talk to Matthew a second. Yeah, uh, right here. Uh, it, it also includes your mom because your mom was really upset with me. And, Usually, yes. And I do. I hope she realizes that I truly, honestly love you. But I think she she's coming she, to grips with that. She thinks I hate you. She does. I've had late night texts and calls saying, "Why did Kenny say that?" To you? And I said, "Mom, he still loves me like a brother." Yeah. All right, here we go. I, oh, oh, I get. Okay. I get uh, things on Twitter. People think you hate me, and, oh, I, and, my that, and that I hate you. So you well, know I'm, what, Kenny? I don't care. Am I <laughs> you do hate him. That, I, need I don't care. More, I need more of that. In I my don't life. care if Kenny this, hates uh, Thank you, Joe. I think I, Kenny, I is an, Kenny is quite the. Um, Man, I'm trying to get this going here. <laughs> Got a. Uh, you, you, you people are you, you people are way too slow for this. Yes, those uh, evildoers. Yeah, a story that uh, we uh, we had talked about off air that I, I just had to add here that uh, co uh, that ship in Nor- the Norway off the coast oh, that had the problems. Right. Yes. Maritime official says the engines of the cruise ship failed during Ooh. a storm because they didn't have enough lubricating oil in them. Holy mackerel. They forgot w- to check the oil. 10W30. Lars wow. Alvested, the head of Norway's Maritime Authority, said Wednesday that low oil levels were the direct cause of the engine failure that stranded the Viking sky on Saturday. Wow. Alvestead says safety systems detected the problem automatically stopped the engines to prevent a breakdown. Viking Sky's crew said a mayday call anchored in heavy seas to keep the ship from being dashed on rocks in an area known for shipwrecks. Five helicopters lifted 479 passengers off with winches. The rescue operation ended Sunday when the engines restarted. The ship traveled under its own power to a Norwegian port with nearly 900 passengers and crew members still 
on board. I would like to commend John, our newsman, for being extremely accurate by saying the Viking cruise ship off the shore of Norway, as opposed to many that have said a Norwegian cruise ship, ah. meaning indicating Norwegian cruise lines, yeah. which is distinct from Viking. All right, then. Yep. What are you, a travel agent? Uh, no, my sisters are, but oh. it's just that one. That is one thing that bothered me that right. it was misrepresenting the. Uh, Such as a line. kid, I had one of my uh, motorcycles had an oil injection, and I ran it dry, and uh, the engine locked up while I was driving. I, I stopped, sat there for ten minutes. The engine uh, unlocked itself. I drove drove another hundred yards. It locked up again. I, I let it cool down. <laughs> I know how that goes. Drove, and then you sold it. I drove back <laughs> into town that way. I filled it up with oil. Then I sold it. Yeah. <laughs> a nineteen-year-old uh, story from Missouri. Actually, I think we can get some music in it. Really? Story. I, I oh, think I love can. when you do this. Nineteen-year-old from Missouri, you say? A nineteen-year-old enterprise rent-a-car employee. So you know, he's he's just working on uh, right. You know, getting a job. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Don't uh, say blah blah blah. Oh, I, I did, didn't I? Yeah. I'm just trying to unwind my cord here. Sorry. Yeah, oh, you're choking you. me, Kenny. I keep telling you. Yeah. What do you keep telling? He has the expanded cord. Will there. You stop pulling my head. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Help you. Rental car employee from Missouri. Just kidding. kidding. 19. Uh, he's uh, Enterprise. Uh, he allegedly put LSD in three of his co-workers' oh, drinks. that's really? not funny. <laughs> yeah, I, where are we going? Is that a Grateful Dead lick? <laughs> no, it's... Uh, it's not like Jefferson Airplane. <laughs> he told authorities he did it because they had... Negative energy. (laughs) That is psychedelic. That's wonderful. The man was arrested this week, but no charges are expected until lab tests are done on the drinks. Police were called to the car rental location on Jeffco Boulevard after workers started feeling funny. The 19-year-old admitted... To uh, putting LSD in two water bottles, another co-worker's coffee cup. The man wanted to, quote, mellow out the workplace. But instead, <laughs> the two workers became dizzy and shaky. <laughs> Sergeant Tony Dennis, the task force commander for the Jefferson County Municipal Enforcement Group, said you're going to have increased heart rate, temperature, higher blood pressure, He said LSD has faded in popularity, but he said it's still around. Two employees taken to the hospital to be checked out. They were okay when the LSD wore out. When lab tests came back, the man... 12 hours later. The man accused of dosing the drinks could face charges of possession of a controlled substance and second-degree assault. I bet they had a hell of a time watching try to punch out. Huh? Oh, don't don't do that. There's no, don't even feed people pot brownies without telling them that that's not funny. That was you know don't do uh, that. One of one of I, we've had this Grateful Dead conversation before. I like some Grateful Dead music, but in, on a whole, I'm not a big fan. They used to make a sport of dosing people's drinks that's without not, without telling that's them. Not that funny that's, in the band or people that were no no groupies. people outside. Yeah, if they were what? playing, uh, I heard many stories, and uh, one I read in Greg Ullman's book. If they were playing with the dead, he said everybody would make sure and carry any drink, beer, whatever they had around with them to keep it covered. It's because like, go sure, to Mexico, to you don't drink the tap water. Or tell yeah. my daughters, if you go yeah. out, watch your drink being made behind right. the bar. Right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of drugs, yeah, this, we might be able to get something in this one, too. Yeah. Right? 
in Austintown, Ohio man pulled over for a traffic stop was caught with <laughs> cocaine no. in, his, in his socks. Oh, yeah. But then, but then told police, these aren't my socks. Who the that he was wearing? <laughs> 20-year-old Damian Clark was pulled over just before 4.30 a.m. Saturday after he didn't use his right turn signal. So there's Kenny's deal again. You shouldn't have drugs if you don't follow the traffic rules. The officer said he smelled raw marijuana coming from the inside. Uh, Loose raw marijuana was found on the floorboard of the car. During a search, officers found a small plastic bag of suspected... Cocaine. Cocaine. Did he say... If you want to hang out, you've got to take her out. He did. Cocaine. Yeah, he did. And then he said, it's all right. It's all right. She don't lie. She don't lie. Cocaine. Okay. Uh, after Clark was taken into custody, they found other drugs, too, in his pants. Really? Oh, were, were those his pants? Police, police said he asked officers to throw away the evidence, saying, someone must have given me the pills to hold because I was at a party. When Clark arrived at the County Justice Center, police seized $740 found on him along with a cell phone. They also found a pill in his left sock along with cocaine. He said he forgot that was there. Did he hide any in his swimsuit? And they found it and he said, that's not my swimsuit area. Clark now faces charges of conveying drugs and drug abuse. But you see that when you drive around. You see car after car that looks like probable cause. And all it takes <laughs> is one turn signal not working, and you're going to county lock. Yeah. Thank you, Johnny. You bet. ProfessionalTurf.com makes it super easy to have a beautiful lawn all season long, and it's just a click away, ProfessionalTurf.com. Now, ProTurf, they guarantee results from early spring until late fall. You're going to have the best lawn on the block, guaranteed, just like yours truly. And if you're considering a landscape project or installing or maintaining a sprinkler system, ProfessionalTurf.com can help you out there just like they did me. The best lawn on the block, it's just a click away, ProfessionalTurf.com. Say, inconveniently enough, uh, NASA is reporting that a melting Greenland glacier is, uh, inconveniently, it's growing again. Oh, Oh, no. This is from Dave and Alexandria. Joe, I thought you might be interested in this. It features climate scientists who were stunned to learn that a glacier in Greenland they were studying has been thickening since 2016. That didn't fit their preconceived idea about what they would find, and they assured us that the melting will resume. They did everything but say... This glacier would be melting if it wasn't so damn cold. (laughs) Wait a minute. That's like a Yogi Barrel ride. Right. right. Uh, This is from NASA. This isn't from, you know, right-wing evil radio people. Here's from AccuWeather. Uh, A surprise. One of Earth's fastest shrinking glaciers is suddenly growing again. Greenland's glacier named Jakobshavan, Jakobshavan, was uh, retreating roughly 1.8 miles and thinning nearly 130 feet annually around 2012. However, it started growing again at about the same rate in the past two years, according to NASA's Oceans Melting Greenland Project. I'm going to go back to Duke. Can you imagine the grants that have been applied for? 
under the auspices of I, I really yes. I really want to study that retreating oh. uh, Greenland glacier. We got the money. Let's go. Here's the money. It's, Let's it's go. not so retreating. I just Googled Greenland uh, glacier growing. Right. The second story that comes up, the Greenland glacier is growing, and that's not good news. This is from the nationalgeographic.com. So why isn't that good news? I thought you were telling me you didn't want them to melt. You uh, keep going. I'm going to read this. Uh, the glacier is... Uh, uh, the study's lead author, Ala Kazander, a NASA glaciologist, uh, said nature's cyclical cooling of North Atlantic waters likely caused the glacier to reverse course. <laughs> yeah. In other words, nature's doing what it always does. The cold water is due to a climate pattern called the North Atlantic Oscillation, which causes the Northern Atlantic Ocean to switch slowly between warm and cold every 5 to 20 years. Then what in the hell are you worried about? (laughs) Cyclical. If it's happening routinely, what are you worried about? Uh, Tom Wagner, NASA Headquarters Program Scientist, uh, who was not involved in the study, said the mission deployed new technologies that allowed us to observe a natural experiment experiment much as we do in a lab where variations in ocean temperatures were used to control the flow of a glacier. Their findings, especially about how quickly the ice responds, will be important to projecting sea level rise in both the near and distant future. It's nature, people. Uh, you know, it's, it gets big, it gets smaller. Sometimes they grow. National Geographic article, one paragraph here. Other Arctic glaciers may be undergoing similar. Excuse me, undergoing a similar growth. That suggests the ebb and flow of glaciers in a warming world may be more complicated and harder to predict than previously thought. Said Willie, who probably didn't think we were going to be here around the year two thousand. Well, we're on about our fourth 12-year period to exist. (laughs) But this National Geographic uh, article goes on to explain why this is, it growing is so, so bad. (laughs) Mississippi newspaper hits back, pushes back. Let's go. After Keith Oberman calls for a writer there to be fired over a turkey hunting article. What? The Clarion Ledger. The uh, Keith Oberman tweeted an article published Monday by the Clarion Ledger outdoor editor Brian Broom called Hunter Bags Bizarre White Turkey. The article chronicled Hunter Waltman's recent catch. Waltman, 22, of Kiln, Mississippi. Uh, find out where the Clarion Ledger is for me. I'm already uh, Told the Clarion Ledger that the rare white turkey was one of the hardest turkeys I've ever killed. Jackson? That sounds right. Mississippi. Yep. Adam Butler of the Mississippi Department of Wildlife and Fisheries told the newspaper the turkey Waltman killed was exceptionally rare. Waltman also told the Sun-Herald he had received criticism from a lot of haters following the article's publication saying that he should not have killed such a rare bird. Oberman took the criticism a few steps further, calling Waltman's, calling this guy, this 22-year-old hunter Mm -hmm. in Mississippi, a pea-brain scumbag, nitwit clown. Wow. That's it? Wow. <laughs> this pea-brain scumbag identifies himself as Hunter Waltman, and we should do our best to make sure the rest of his life is a living hell. Wow. And the nitwit clown who wrote this fawning piece should be fired. And the newspaper, uh, Clarion Ledger, caught wind of Olbermann's God, these people hate people, don't they? Yes, yeah, they it's do. just amazing. They just hate people. Norm. They hate everybody. God, almighty, they're like you, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. 
the cl- but their deal isn't an act. No. <laughs> the Clarion Ledger caught wind of Olbermann's criticism and wrote a follow-up called Keith Olbermann, Make This Mississippi Hunter's Life a Hell for Killing a White Turkey? Who can forget former MSNBC political commentator Keith Olbermann's worst person in the world segment during his 03 to 2011 show, Countdown with Keith Olbermann, the ledger Stephen Ward wrote. But today, perhaps Olbermann earned that title himself. Why, the article continued, explaining that hunting is very popular in the South, which may not be Olbermann's cup of tea, but calling for firings and lives in hell, that seems a little far, the piece continued. The Clarion Ledger's executive editor, Sam Hall, commented on the article and Olbermann's disapproval. Keith Olbermann says Brian Broom should be fired for writing this story, he wrote. What was I thinking? I guess I should have fired our outdoors writer for writing about a hunter killing a turkey during the turkey hunting season. They're wow. pushing back, though. They're Good. not going to let this elite fool get away with his BS. Good. Uh, he followed up with another tweet to his followers on the lookout for Broom's next piece. Sam Hall, uh, I should be following Keith Olbermann's tweet was recklessly irresponsible. Someone with his following needs to understand the possible impact of his words, Hall said. Take, telling over one million people to make someone's life a living hell could have seriously dangerous consequences. In our newsroom, that would be a fireball offense, not writing a story about a hunter bagging a turkey. The former sports editor, what was he? Former sports center co-anchor and MSNBC personality Olbermann has been outspoken on Twitter on animal rights and uses his platform to bring attention to animal shelters in need of donations. But here Olbermann failed miserably because he can't write and all he could do was resort to uh, childish uh, childish uh, claims. About it's too hunting. bad, too, yeah. because he, he is... No, he's always quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. Uh, he had a show that was on ESPN that was actually pretty good. But, right. he, but this is the kind of thing he's capable of. He's just a blowhard. Well, so, he's a fool. Yeah. He's just a, a complete fool. Say, I want to tell you something. Uh, you know darn well the temperature's are rising, and now's the time to get ready for this year's motorcycle riding season. <laughs> and DennisKirk.com is the place to do it. They have over... 160,000 products in stock for you and your bike. It doesn't make any difference what you're going to uncover in that garage right now. Big Harley, Cruiser, Sport Bike, they have it. And if you're in a hurry for something you need, place an order by 8 o'clock today and you'll get it tomorrow. Now, that might be hard to believe, but that's the way DennisKirk.com, a Minnesota company, does business. DennisKirk.com, order today and get it tomorrow. Uh, Man's failing in his relationship with nature? (laughs) It's not limited to the United States. And back to that last ad for Dennis Kirk. Check your oil, please. Yeah, check your oil. Four-stroke, two-stroke injected, check your oil. A cruise ship lost oil. That's like that'd be like if you were the captain of it, Rook. I could see that happening. Just no, I know I you could. Do. That's what frightens me. Catering would be full. I mean, the fridge would be full. The bar would be well stocked. What are those ships? What do they run on diesel? There's a, just yeah. if it was Rook's ship, there'd be a, a sea of diesel right. trailing that <laughs> thing. Forgot to put the cap on. Uh, yeah. That dipstick and come up desert dry. I think they'll be able to find us. Unprecedented flooding kills more than 20 in Iran. Injuries uh, injures nearly 100 as powerful storm slams the Middle East. At least 21 people have been killed in southern Iran as a result of severe flooding that occurred after a robust storm swept through the Middle East, according to AFP. Uh, reports on the death toll uh, uh, have been conflicted. Uh, heavy rains outside the city of Shiraz triggered the flooding. 
Iran's head of emergency services, some unpronounceable name said. What was the reason these people died? I told you this is an example of man losing his relationship with nature. What was the principal reason these people died? No warning? No. Uh, losing, the, losing relationship with nature. Well, it, Losing their relationship with nature. They're at the nature. edge of the raging river taking selfies. Right. Yeah. It's like the people That's that dumb. step off the edge into the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. Or the idiots that walk up next to a bear in Yellowstone to right. take a selfie. Video co- videos posted to social media showed the floodwaters sweeping away cars in Shiraz. In some situations, people had to climb onto the top of vehicles as they frantically escaped the raging waters. And then other images show people trying to take pictures of it. Wow. Most oh of God. the people killed have been trying to take videos of the flooding on their phones. Okay, I'm sorry. that That's, that's a terrible tragedy. But when the floodwaters are roaring down the canyon there, Stay get away. the hell out of the Stay way. Stay away. Get away. Get away. Is the camera on the phone going to be the end of society as we know it, globally so. speaking? I think so. <laughs> it might be the end. Let's come back with Johnny Hyde again, shall we? That would be delightful. Basketball, basketball, basketball madness. This is Patrick Ricey for the Canopy Group. Let the Canopy Group help you with your brackets for your home and auto insurance program. If you rely on State Farm, Farmers, or Liberty Mutual, remember, they only have one team in their bracket. We have 16 in ours. We guarantee a winner for the best coverage at the best price. The Canopy Group has outsmarted the insurance bracketologist. Every month is madness for the Canopy Group as they continue to comb the insurance marketplace for their clients. We can work on your home and auto insurance program while you pick up the remote and channel surf all of your basketball options. Visit thecanopygroup.com or let the Canopy Group help you by calling 800-967-3389. Let the Canopy Group put their sweet 16 to work for you. 800-967-3389. The best lawn on the block is a click away. Professionalturf.com. Let one of the ProfessionalTurf.com lawn care technicians stop out and analyze your lawn and then create a three- to five-step program that will keep your lawn free of weeds, crabgrass, and dandelions all season long. All you have to do, water and mow. It's that simple. They're locally owned, ProfessionalTurf.com. They've been serving us here in the Twin Cities since 1982. Wow. The best lawn on the block. It's a click away. ProfessionalTurf.com. University of Garage Logic 98, College of Self-Esteem, Zip, Nada, Nothing. Here's Joe Suchere. And here is the singing, dancing, guitar playing John Height with your news, brought to you by ProfessionalTurf.com. Thanks, Kenny. Uh, before we get to news, and there is some breaking news, although since this is a podcast, I it's guess a podcast. we don't care. Anyway, uh, a sports note before we get there. This will affect the Vikings and all National Football League teams. Pass interference, oh, whether God. flagged or not, can be challenged by no! coaches and reviewed by well, officials next season. If it's not flagged, why is it pass interference? Oh, God almighty. In other words, you can you can say introduce, interfere. You could introduce the yeah. thought that you think that's pass that's interference. Correct, yes. I see. You think football games last long now. Mm-mm-mm. Well, but they don't add to the number of challenges, so that's the good thing about it. Well, that's true. And, if and I, there ain't no flag! 
That's right. NFL team owners voted on a one-year trial basis to include those uh, often controversial penalties in the officiating replay review system. Coaches still will have two challenges per game, and in the final two minutes of a half or fourth quarter, or for all of overtime, the replay official can order a review of offensive or defensive it could get kind of long there oh, in the last God. two minutes when you're trying to win a ball oh, game. God. You could have every play reviewed, basically. The major change, owners traditionally have been highly reluctant to include any penalties in the replay process. Stems from uh, that missed call, remember, in the NFC Championship game uh-huh. uh, that likely led to the Rams making the Super Bowl and the uh-huh. Saints not. Yeah, that was outrageous. That yeah, was really, uh, I was outraged. <laughs> Don't have any idea what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. What, what Football, yeah. right? Yeah. Kenny, exactly. you used to work at a morning show that was spent four hours dissecting that one play. <laughs> you know that uh, uh, Alexandria Occasional Cortex's Green New Deal? Yeah. We yeah. voted down yeah. 57 to nothing by the Senate, and three mm-hmm. Democrats joined the, the Republicans. Joe Manchin, uh, West Virginia, Doug Jones, Alabama, and Kirsten Sinema. Of Arizona. What I don't understand about the story is uh, all of it. Do you understand why it was voted down and what they're talking about and how this figures into upcoming elections? And I read that stupid piece twice, Joe, and I don't get it. Well, it's voted down to uh, to point out the folly of it and that it's cost prohibitive. Well, that's what I thought. But yeah. when you read the article, it's all it, it has to do with upcoming elections and policies and blah, 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 and it just, oh, my God, it gave me Ken, a headache. Kenny said blah, blah, blah. It's why I was so crabby before the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was trying to figure that out. John, since we took a break, yeah, do you have the Shakopee? We took a break. Do you have the Shakopee resident I, I story? I saw it this morning. I did not bring it okay. with me, no. Uh, I just want to mention two things about this story down in Shakopee. The headline in the uh, Star Tribune today, Shakopee residents cry foul, and it's a story about the Midwaukee and Sioux compost facility, which was built out in the middle of nowhere, but it is now surrounded by houses, right? Starting to get a little ripe, is it? So everybody's complaining. And uh, the two things I took away from this column, uh, number one, Residents are now calling Shakopee Stinko Pee. <laughs> Stinko Pee. Wow. And they have they have a device to monitor the odor daily. And that, that device is called the Nasal Ranger. And really? I that was hilarious. The Nasal Ranger. Yeah, so it sounds that, like a name of a band. I, I feel sorry for everybody involved, but that's all I took away from the story. John, uh, Kenny, and Joe mentioned Alexandria Occasional Cortex. Um, a, a listener sent this to the GL Podcast Twitter account. It's 60 seconds of her appearance uh, on Late Night with Seth Meyers, kind of edited for her finer points of the interview. My uh, with my Republican colleagues, they say things, and I'm like, "What does that have to do with what we're talking about?" <laughs> yeah. and, oh, and like the the person's like in charge of national flood insurance program. They're like, "What?" <laughs> and the woman said, "Yes or no?" <laughs> and he says, "Yeah," and she goes, "Yes." <laughs> Especially as someone who had to, you know, close up a restaurant and, and at night and have to kick everyone out. Like, you're really good at just saying eight. I mean, it's weird. Yeah. And like, like, why are so many grown men just obsessed with this, like, 29-year-old? I mean, with them been yeah, so yeah. Uh, kind of this Fox News I lunacy. Can't take it. I can't take it. I can't take it. I can't take it. He Turn lasted it longer than I thought he would. Does uh, she remind you of the two gals that uh, used to work down the hall from us in the afternoons. Were you here when we did the Saturday Night Live bit? I don't think From a so. woman in yeah. 2012? Cicely Strong, who's a current SNL member, the uh, brunette with the long hair that uh, occasionally does... She was a skits. guest on the news 
with that guy. Seth Meyers. Yeah, with Seth Back Myers. years ago. Correct. Do you have that handy? Uh, it, it'll take I me do. a minute. Do I you do. do you yes, have it? Okay. I, I don't think I was here. I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. Well, the, the point being that they absolutely predicted that this fruitcake would come out of the woodwork, not knowing that it would be somebody named Alexandria Occasional Cortex, but under the guise of uh, bringing her onto the set and saying, uh, this is what happens when you have a conversation with a bad date or something. Mm-hmm. And this woman was just playing the role of this bad date, and it's it's Cortez. Here with her opinions is the girl you wish hadn't, you hadn't started a conversation with at a party. I'm not going to play the whole thing because I can't take it. It's like, it's her. Welcome back. All right, well, thank you. Sounds like her, too. So are you excited about the holidays? Excited? I'm repulsed, Seth. All this commercialism around Christmas, (laughs) it's an outrage. It's a tragedy. It's like, (laughs) what are we even doing? And, like, why? And, like, don't. (laughs) You really seem like you're in the Christmas spirit. You mean the Christmas spirit? Oh, right. You don't care about Jesus because you worship Hallmark. Oh, boy. <laughs> you need to wake up and smell the music, Seth. Well, let's test it. Switch it up. Let's there see are if homeless can bring... people out there. I mean, it's weird. Yeah. And like, oh, oh like, my God. Why it's are so wow. just obsessed with this? George like, Washington had in mind oh. we start America. It's oh, like, wow. read something, Seth. Learn a book me and he wow. was like is it true that you got 10 million dollars from netflix and i was like no people who are too full it's like isn't that uncanny <laughs> that's alarming yet, for every four men there are two women <laughs> and that's just supposed to be susceptible no susceptible we need bipartisan ships oh, okay bipartisan <laughs> ships that's pretty wow. s- pretty spooky it's really weird Ooh. <laughs> I'll say. Uh, getting to the breaking news we're talking about, and I, I, I know we're, we're a podcast, so. uh, but the man charged with kidnapping a 13-year-old Wisconsin girl and killing her parents has pleaded guilty during an arraigns, uh, arraignment Wednesday afternoon. Jake Patterson has entered a guilty plea for three counts, two counts of intentional homicide, one count of kidnapping, a count of armed burglary was dropped. The intentional homicide counts carry life in prison sentence. According to a criminal complaint released at the time, 21-year-old Patterson told authorities he decided to take Jamie Kloss after seeing her getting on a school bus near her home. Jamie held for 88 days in a cabin about an hour north of her family's home in Barron before she escaped in January. Minnesota Department of Public Safety says 42 of the 87 counties in Minnesota are now affected by spring flooding in some capacity. That's up from 34 counties DPS said were affected last week and the 39 affected earlier this week. A weather service says mostly dry conditions are expected to continue through next week, but ice jam activity will be frequent over the next few weeks. There's some uh, awesome photos coming from MnDOT, and evidently now MnDOT has a drone, so they're flying over these Is flooded roads. Is that road. how they did that? Isn't that cool? Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. It's down in uh, down in your part of the world. It's by Henderson, that yeah, area? Yeah. yeah. But we're getting the greatest anti-flooding weather we could possibly yeah, hope for. Yes. Yes. Perfect. You're right. Yeah. Perfect. But this one that Kenny's talking about that he retweeted, I thought it was a vehicle driving through the closed road, but it's not. Yeah. It's a drone. Yeah, this one's by Lesseur. Yeah, yeah, and it's a minute. No, it's almost two minutes long, and it's fascinating. Where it's are you great finding video. this? Uh, Mindot. Mindot News. And it's at Mindot News. It's Highway ninety three down there, isn't it? Kenny? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yep. 
Top lawmakers are blasting the Trump administration's proposal to slash funding for the State Department and the U.S. Agency for International Development. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo testified Wednesday on Capitol Hill about the plan to cut his agency's budget by 23 percent. He says difficult choices were made when crafting the 2020 proposal, but he argues... Uh, The funding is enough to achieve the administration's foreign policy goals. Lawmakers didn't see it that way. Both Democrats and Republicans criticizing the idea, including Republican Hal Rogers of Kentucky, who said the plan seems detached from reality. And he warned if we're to accept cuts of this magnitude, it would make our nation less safe, make it harder to achieve the effectiveness we all seek. After months without a winner, lottery players will have another shot at a Powerball jackpot that soared to a massive $750 million. Powerball drawing. Will when be is w- that drawing? That's Wednesday night. That's tonight, tonight. As we record this. March 27th. Do you have your tickets? I actually have four numbers. I didn't buy any yet. I'll buy one. This uh, is the, we're, uh, go see Randy at Pro Stop. Uh, John, we're now playing the video, uh, the MnDOT oh, video, cool. drone video. Uh, it's 93 going into Lesur, and yeah, it's a great vid. Wow. Trees and crap all over the road. Yeah. The, That'll the, happen. The water's uh, about a foot under the Lesur sign. Wow. It's very cool. Look at how calm it looks on the road, but as soon as it gets off the road, it's just you can see the force. Hmm. What river <laughs> am I looking at? It's uh, Minnesota that's flooding flooding everything down there. All right. This Powerball jackpot is the fourth largest lottery jackpot in United States history. Last time somebody won the Powerball, December 26th. Your odds, if you're playing, uh, 1 in 292.2 million. And after taxes, you're looking at about a quarter of a billion dollars. No lottery talk. No lottery talk. I read somewhere that they lowered (laughs) the odds in order to make these things go last longer. Really? Does that make sense? Hmm. I don't know, but they have had huge jackpots over the past couple of years. Washington County motorist has pleaded guilty to a petty misdemeanor uh, for a road rage, in, uh, rage incident. Remember this? He drove within inches of Olympic champion skier Jesse Diggins. Oh, I yeah. do remember this. While she was training near her Afton home, 38-year-old George Frost of St. Mary's Point won dismissal of misdemeanor counts of assault, reckless driving, careless driving, and disorderly conduct in connection with that encounter with Diggins and training partner Chris Hansen on October 28th. He did plead guilty to nuisance on a public roadway. He was ordered to pay $300 in fines and another $87 in court fees. Did, uh, did you mention it? I missed it. Did he say why? He, uh, yep, he did. He said, uh, let's see. Uh, I was going to show her. In the complaint against Frost, he denied driving too close to the woman. He explained to a sheriff's deputy he was upset with them for roller skating on the road because when he was a kid, law enforcement harassed him for skateboarding oh, in Jesus. the same area. Okay. That's what, that's let, what it let it go. Let it go, bro. Bro, you got to let it go. Twitter is warning its users, I can't believe anybody would fall for this, not to fall for a viral prank circulating on the platform saying it'll get you locked out of your account. It began making the rounds on Monday. It promises to make user feeds more colorful if they change the birth year in their profile (laughs) to 2007. God, we're just dumb. This has happened 13,000 times. Here's the problem. Twitter rules prohibit people under the age of 13 from having an account. Seeing how this is 2019, if you change your birth year to 2007, that would make you 12 and immediately lock you out of your <laughs> account. Fail. User agency. I didn't hear a word of that. None of that makes sense to me. Really? I follow I don't, him I don't follow Joe that. Suchere. I don't follow that. It's, it's easy. Just don't do it, folks. I won't. Okay. <laughs> Scientists have identified 
amyloid plaques. You know what those are? I don't. They're the proteins that are linked to Alzheimer's disease. Mm. They've found that in the brains of dolphins stranded on beaches in Florida and Massachusetts. (laughs) Analysis of the marine mammal brains also revealed the presence of BMAA, a toxin produced by cyanobacterial blooms. In other words, the dolphins who are washing up on shore basically have Alzheimer's. They don't know where to go anymore. So the moral of that story is stay off the beaches. What happens or if you don't eat fish? <laughs> what happens if you eat the tuna that they uh, also includes a little bit of dolphin in it? Uh, does do you catch it then? Is... I don't think so, Kenny. But I don't think that happens. I, I don't. Is everyone... that one on this show is susceptible? They, they get dolphins. I would say a life of seafood gives it, you Alzheimer's. It, is that why some dolphins are so easy to club from a, a fishing oh, boat? On the, some of them come right up next to you, and you can literally just club them. You can flog them to death. They oh called him Flipper. Was he a dolphin? No, he's a porpoise, wasn't Is it? anything in the I last know. two minutes we've said accurate? No. Nope. Absolutely <laughs> not. Not a bit. <laughs> it's funny, though, when you go on those uh, dolphin tours, like in Marco Island, yeah. uh, you go out there a little bit and on a calm day, and people are so excited to see dolphins, and there's nothing going on. So the guy at the restaurant just starts to crank in the wheel, and the, the dolphins just start spinning about <laughs> 75 yards on. Just, they don't move. It's just the same one going You're over saying and over. It's, it's Dolphins! Ju- it's just a big... <laughs> That's always when it's two for big one. amusement between, park. Right? Yeah, between three and six when it's two for one. Look, Mom, dolphins! And the old man can sit there and have another cocktail. Yeah. Weird story from Peoria, Illinois. A loud fracas... I love that word. Fracas. I always say fracas. Whatever. Erupted. (laughs) (laughs) Erupted on the East Bluff in Peoria when two house guests refused to remove their shoes, prompting neighbors to call police. This all happened around 1 in the morning last Thursday. Officers responding on a complaint of loud arguing inside a house. As officers got there, a man and a woman burst out the front door yelling hysterically, according to the police report. Police separated the two, then questioned them, along with a man and woman inside the residence. According to the statements, one of the women is 32 and lives there, while the other is 28 and visiting from out of town. The two 29-year-old men live in Peoria and dropped by for a visit. One said he, quote, messes around with the home's resident while his friend was supposed to hook up with the other woman. Hmm. But the gathering turned sour shortly after the men got there. The resident asked them to take off their shoes, and they wouldn't. One of the men said he wanted to keep his shoes on because there's no carpeting in the house. You usually just leave your socks on, right? Did he have cocaine in his socks? <laughs> all four agreed. The resident got mad and raised her voice. Uh, that's where the stories uh, all got different, according to gender. The woman said that one of the men dropped his phone, but the man said the resident whacked it out of his hand. When the phone hit the floor, the screen cracked, and the owner demanded the resident, the woman with whom he messes around... Give him 50 bucks for repairs. That's enough. Can I use... <laughs> yeah, uh, are you out of material, John? No. Will you no, let I, me I use your... A lot of them. Will you let me use your guitar to play <laughs> Midnight in Harlem, a little bit of it? Sure. Because I've been working on it. Have you? Yeah. Okay. I'll just hand it to me. Let me give it hand to it you. over there. There Wait, you, you go. You, you've about been practicing? Let me try it. About 139, the meds just, start wearing off and it starts throbbing. Just so tell it. me if my hands are in the right place. How high is he? No, I'm not. I'm, like, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to give this a try. First, you have to turn. Yeah, okay. You've got the volume up. All right. Okay. You like that volume? Can you do this? You know what I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. Is that you were practicing yesterday? Yes. How the hell do you know this? Yeah. Well, you kind of can. 
Is that okay? Yeah. Can you play solo? It's a bit pedestrian. I've worked on the solo a bit. Let me try. Let me try. Just a minute. Let me just. My hands are getting sweaty. Just a minute. Okay. 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 Let me try. When you play in your hands, sweat. Let me try. You even yeah, have the really facial impressive. expressions down, yeah. Joe. I'm working on it. We I'm working on it. It's pretty damn good. Thank you. We Thank should you. have put Make that on video and uh, released it on Twitter. Twitter. I was just about to. Uh, how are you with the um, with the uh, podcast close music? Can you play that too? I'll try it. I'll try I'm it. Let's see. Okay. This comes from a guy who when he's... I'm going to riff. I'm just going to riff something. Okay. This comes from a guy that when he sits down behind the drums, he gets tired uh, the, halfway through the song and has to throw his sticks away. Listen to Uncle Joe go. Wow. Never took a lesson. (laughs) And he plays octaves. (laughs) That's what those are called. Okay, I'm ready. I'm going to do it. Just a minute. Here we go. That should do it for Garage Logic. Head to garagelogic.com for all sorts of great info and some of those back podcasts. We'll catch you next time. Garage Logic podcast version. Thanks. Are you ready for a different point of view? Say, this is Josh Arnold, Mr. Money Talk. I'm here, as always, to answer your questions on stocks, bonds, mutual funds, what you should be doing with your retirement dollars. But, of course, you do have to give me a call at 952-925-5608. With much market volatility on the horizon, you're going to need some help. So give me a call at 952-925-5608. You always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice from me. Mr. Money Talk Josh Arnold. I'm here to help you personally set your portfolio to deal with this upcoming volatility. So make a point to give me a call for a no cost, no obligation, 48 minute review at 952-925-5608. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.